episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on October the 3rd, 2018. I'm your host, Gaming Psychologist, and with me, as always, from the Dark Ages. Caffeine Rage? I'm not sure how I should take about that one. Well, I mean, you didn't have internet, so you might as well have been in the Dark Ages. On today's show, we're going to be having another short one, because as the aforementioned lack of internet prevented us recording on our regular night, we're doing this one on Wednesday again, and we will be discussing the games that we have played over the last couple of weeks. We're going to be having a mega topic, Workers' Comp, a state of the gaming industry. We'll be having our weekly community corner and a Steam Discovery queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. How are you? Oh, better than I was yesterday because I was not pleased. Nope. Yeah. I got a text from you at like noon. Uh, my, it was hey. uh, one o'clock. Uh, my internet went down at one. And yep. Uh, when I, uh, well, uh, okay. Story time. I was uh, browsing the web and uh, putting in an order for some groceries. And I noticed my internet was getting a little sluggish. Okay, well, that's a little strange because I pay for the good internet. You know, I have uh, I have the I have the highest package I, I could get. I get a, a gig down. So if the internet's being sluggish for me, it's either my computer is doing its uh, Chrome weirdness, or the site is crashing. Well, uh, then. Everything just starts timing out, and I'm getting no internet errors through Chrome. Okay, that's not good. Look at the modem. Everything's still lit up properly. Okay, well, uh, modem's still connected. Let's start troubleshooting. I start going through the procedure, you know. Uh, I uh, disconnect and reconnect uh, to the computer itself, uh, and I change the port on the modem because it's, it has, it's one of those combos, uh, router-modem uh, combinations. Uh, just to yeah, force it to uh, assign a new IP. Uh, that didn't do anything. I was about to cycle the power on the router, when, or I should say the modem. I'm using those interchangeably because it's one piece of hardware on my desk. Yeah. And then all the lights go off of it. I think, oh shit, it just died on me. And then the power comes on. And just starts blinking the USDS, the uh, upstream downstream uh, connection. Yeah, and that's supposed to be solid. <clears throat> not yep. a good sign. So I go ahead and cycle the power anyway because yeah, why not at this point? Uh, and I sit here for about ten minutes, usually long enough for it to connect, because cable modems are irritating on their connection speed. I should say establishing connection speed and it doesn't connect go to my ISP's uh, website on my phone uh, thankfully I also went for the better package on my phone so I have plenty of data to use and I check and they say no allergies well fuck well alright then let's call tech support uh, so go through the procedure on there because they have the automated thing, you know, uh, and if you don't go through uh, that step by step and they see that you've gone through it too quickly, they'll make you do it whenever you get the agent. So 
why the hell not at this point? So, uh, do that, get the agent and they uh, start going through, uh, you know, asking me, did I do this? And I go, and I tell them step by step what I did. The only thing that I didn't do yet was a swap out my cat six cables for a different one out of my set just to isolate, you know, make sure that it couldn't be a factor. Then they see on their computer that there's an outage in my area. Funny. The website doesn't mention that. All right, fine. Uh, uh, that's uh, about when I sent you the text message or just before I started calling them because usually when there's an outage in my area, it's going to be a while. So I go socialize outside for a bit and just be bored otherwise because there's nothing else here to do because let's put it this way. My town is so isolated and boring it doesn't even have a bar let that sink in <laughs> that's pretty bad all the bars here have closed that should be telling right <laughs> yeah <clears throat> and I couldn't exactly go out much anyway because I was still recovering from my grocery odyssey, which you don't need to hear about that because this is far more uh, irritating and uh, uh, hilarious because I'm uh, pissed off. Well, uh, 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 just, you know, kind of kill time till about oh, seven o'clock. And I'm uh, periodically going to the, uh, the ISP's website and checking to see if they even report that there's an outage in my area because the technician said that they usually don't uh, declare an outage on the site until they have an ETA for when it will come back up. Well, there's nothing yet, and the person that I got a hold of at first said uh, call back at about half an hour to you know, get an ETA. Well, the thing is, I called back about five or six hours later, just before I would do my pre-game uh, setup, you know, scrape for all the articles and uh, check the email, that sort of thing. And I went right through to an agent. Usually, whenever there's an outage in my area, uh, they just say, there's an outage in your area, give you an ETA, then hang up on you. Uh, well, I should say the computer does. Which, yeah, uh, that's great. Uh, Same for me. That, that's great uh, customer support, huh? Yeah, although on, I mean that's the only time I ever call is to report issues and find out if there's an outage. So well, I go right through to an agent. So you know, I'm thinking, oh great, uh, my modem didn't reset on the uh, thing. Well, uh, she checks and finds that there's reported an outage in my area, and says that there's really nothing uh, that she could do. And I do understand that there's nothing she could do. She's uh, uh, she's in the trenches. She's not out in the field. Uh, you know trying to get the gerbil back in the wheel <laughs> yeah uh so you know uh, uh, that's when i texted you pretty much saying yeah no show tonight uh unless uh the only option i had really was to tether my phone to the computer but i think that would have been too unstable yeah i, I mean i have plenty of data to be able to do that but you know that's a last ditch we must record tonight or else so yeah uh texted you and you know it's like oh well fine i'll just go piddle around on the phone relax for a bit uh just to you know because there's nothing else to do around here i already went out and socialized twice which is two more times than uh jared would <laughs> indeed 
so uh, around midnight, I noticed uh, the uh, uh, the modem stopped flashing and everything came back up. All right, great. Well, I sent you that message. Uh, yo, uh, it was ten hours, and then immediately the uh, after about half an hour, it went down again. I said, fuck it, and went to sleep. <laughs> yep, I was long gone by the time you texted me about that. Yeah, you called I played it American. A, yeah, you called it an early night. <laughs> I did, because I knew we were going to do this, and then Star Wars RPG is after this, and I'm hoping in between, if it works out, I can at least start editing. I know you've got to run it through your process and upload it, too, so, yeah, you know. Which, it doesn't take but, that long. No, but depending on exactly what time we get done and how much time there is in between. But I just was like, you know what? I really need to get a good night's sleep. So I played American Truck for a little bit, and then I laid down and did some stuff on my phone and sort of wound down. And then I was asleep by oh, 10 o'clock or so, which is extremely early for me. But I just was like, you know what? I'm gonna get I'm gonna get some extra sleep so I can be prepared for tonight. Yeah. Well, would you rather me not do uh, my pre-processing? I think I sound no, a lot better when I, do, uh, when I do it. <laughs> <laughs> nah, you're fine. Honestly, it doesn't change my voice that much. It just makes me a lot clearer. But, yeah, that's why we didn't record yesterday, was that my ISP sucks. And I was uh, I was bored and pissed off. And, yeah. I, and I didn't even end up playing any mobile games out of it, because uh, everything I tried, I just, uh, it just... Uh, mobile gaming has gotten to the point where... Uh, load up something and I see all the microtransactions and everything and I shut it down. Or I find some sort of problem with it. Like there's one that's actually somewhat interesting, but they have no tutorial on it whatsoever. <clears throat> it's a sandbox uh, RPG. You know, you're out flying a fleet of spaceships. But it's one of those games that feels like it's made to have tooltips because everything has icons, but they don't explain what the fucking icons do is. Or really any of the game concepts at all, actually. Oh. I see. <laughs> I I do that a lot with mobile games now, too. I'll just close one instead of trying to get through to the... I don't know, to figure it out or get past the early microtransaction bullshit. Although it just becomes later microtransaction bullshit if it's that bad. Yeah. So... Yeah, if I don't find anything soon, we may have to drop that uh, award from the VGO Awards. Because there's been nothing that really gotten uh, that's gotten me this year. That's okay. It's I mean, it's not like we don't have thirty something other awards. Yeah, plus <laughs> whatever. The, plus, there's the new one I added to the list. Yeah, and I'm so. sure I could come up with others. I'm sure. I'm sure that's a thing. That we we could do. I mean, uh, it wouldn't be us if our award show uh, didn't run into uh, yeah the second day. <laughs> yeah, we're there's gonna have to be a limit at some point. But well, I, I think the limit should be you know whenever <clears throat> uh, by the time we get around to the last award, we're starting to uh, award the first awards again. Yeah, that's too long. <laughs> I can't sit at my computer for that long. My uh, my back will break, and I'll be hungry. But I guess I'd lose a lot of weight just sitting here. <laughs> um, I'll just get a giant hamster bottle full of water so you don't dehydrate. I drink a lot of water. 
Also, I'd have to go to the bathroom a lot. Anyways, speaking of awards for games, which has games in them, let's go talk about those games that we played, Rage. Games. Well, games. I, I, well I think a, a better segue would be, speaking of games that would win awards, how about one that wouldn't win an award from me? Well, see, I didn't... I just bonked my spoon. I didn't... <laughs> Uh, I'm pretty I sure you're not supposed to bunk your spoon. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that's fine. Carry on. So, uh, Mega Aquarium. Uh, this was a Sunday sampler from like three weeks ago now, which the Sunday sampler's gone intermittent just because I'm not getting review codes at the moment because Keymailer yeah. kind of sucks. Uh, but yeah, Mega Aquarium. It's a, a tycoon game where you're running a, essentially a city aquarium. And it's trying to do two different things, and it's not really succeeding at anything. Uh, It's the same problem I really had with Moonlighter, where there's a good concept there, but when you break it down, there's it's trying to do two separate things, and it's not doing either of them uh, really well. And for me, two lackluster parts doesn't come together to make a good game. So Mega Aquarium is trying to be a tycoon game. But it's also trying to be the uh, the offset of Tycoon games where it's more of a sandbox experience. Think of it as uh, the old school SimCity versus what City Skylines has become. Or Parkitect versus Planet Coaster where one is a more management style game and the other is you're given a essentially a canvas and there is some management aspects to it. But you can, for the most part, ignore those. Mega Quirm is trying to straddle the line between the two and it ended up just falling and hitting its balls. So, yeah, I was really disappointed by this because I wanted to like it. it this game uh, has potential, but there's just not enough cosmetic stuff in it to make it be a sandbox title. There's only so many fish that you could do, and, on, uh, and there's only so many... Uh, aspects to the tanks that you could uh, set up but at, on the flip side uh, on the management side of things if you run the same uh, cosmetics too many times which there's only a handful of you know there's only so many types of plants there's only so many types of rocks in the game customers start to become bored and you lose the prestige points that is the main driving goal of your level up system in the game to uh, it's essentially the tier system you know you hit certain tiers and you level up your uh, general aquarium uh, to unlock new research, new fish that you can unlock, that sort of thing. And the prestige comes in, well, if you pardon uh, the kind of the ocean term, in waves where you'll get a new group of uh, visitors to come in and they'll wander around for a few days because, you know, tycoon games have a weird sense of time to them. And right. they'll get a bunch of prestige up, but then because they've been in the aquarium for too long and they start seeing the same things over and over again, you start losing prestige because they're still wandering around the damn aquarium after day seven. Add to this that you have no control over the business management outside of setting the price on the vending machines. You're not even setting up a gift shop. Uh, the gift shop in the game is you set up a booth 
and people just take a, a, a god and deposit money. That's it. Uh, there's no uh, you know, marketing campaigns a la the old roller coaster tycoon uh, style. Uh, and the other big adjustment uh, that you could do is try to streamline the amount of staff that you run so there's a fewer staff uh, to manage the, aqu- uh, the aquarium so you're not using as much money for salary. And that's it. You could level up your staff, but the staff uh, just... Uh, gain experience and then you could uh, unlock any skill on them and high level skills uh, uh, allow staff to do faster things and you know but it, it just felt really disappointing to me and there's a really big sit and forget it aspect to this game where after you set up an aquarium unless the game lied to you when you were setting it up and I'll get to that in a moment you do not have to touch that fucking aquarium again at all. The staff uh, don't have to clean aquariums. They don't have to deal with uh, fish uh, getting too old from what I can tell uh, to have to restock the aquarium after you know fish died or something. It's just it does its thing and that's it. But I mentioned the game lying to you. One aspect of a tycoon game is information. And when the game blatantly mislead you on your information that's what I consider a dick move and this game does that certain fish in the game uh, does something that they call growing you know they go from a small size to a large size and each tank has a certain amount of size that that it could support well something the game doesn't tell you is that as the fish grows it also increases its demand on its environment and also can change its negative aspects. For example, a fish may be able to eat smaller fish. You know, just a predator or, you know, it may be a bottom feeder where it'll uh, eat the crustaceans or damage the coral or whatever below a certain threshold. Well, the game will tell you that the fish will go from like size 3 to size 9. But it doesn't mention one damn thing about all the other attributes changing. And I started noticing that my fish were getting eaten by other fish. And it took me a while to really figure out why that was. Because all the information that the game was giving me outside of... Well, it wasn't even an alert because the game doesn't even have a proper alert system to it, which that's also a big negative. It, it has a message system, and uh, it'll, the little uh, mail icon in the bottom left will uh, uh, have a small number on it, but there's no proper alert system that really will grab your attention if you know, things are going poorly, which makes me think that the game is built around more of a sandbox aspect than a business sim aspect. But... It doesn't mention that, you know, it requires more heat because, or, or it requires the temperature of the, it puts more demand on the uh, aquarium's uh, temperature, uh, it, uh, either it's heating or cooling, depending on the type of fish. Uh, the aspect where it will eat other fish below a certain threshold will also raise, uh, it will put, uh, it will put more uh, stress on the filters, which in hindsight, that makes a little bit of sense on at least the filter aspect, but 
because it doesn't mention it, I didn't consider it, you know? Yeah. And because the game doesn't say, uh, <clears throat> hey, your uh, fish are eating other fish in a big alert, or even, you know, a, a RimWorld-esque, you know, just a noise uh, whenever a, a major alert is coming up, then I missed it for quite a while until I noticed, you know, that I had lost a fair amount of prestige and when my tanks was a little on the empty side but the game will uh, annoy the ever living fuck out of you when your uh, staff level up they'll, they'll just pop up in the middle of anything so if you're trying to just let Tom run while you're setting up an aquarium uh, before adding all the fish uh, to build up some money in the background you're not going to be doing that because your staff will be leveling up and will be constantly uh, irritating you and uh, interrupting you so, yeah, I, I, as you may tell, I wasn't too enthused <clears throat> by this game at, in the slightest. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I've heard you talk about this several times at this point because we've talked about it at recording nights and then we've just been chatting because mm-hmm. this has been for, what, three weeks ago? Yeah, something like that. So, yeah, I've... Yep. Uh, that and, You uh, uh, turned me off of this game like three weeks ago. Yeah, and also, uh, the game eats up a hell of a lot of resources for uh, its style. It has almost a uh, uh, a, a Nintendo Mii-style aspect to its, uh, 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 its in-game people. And the game isn't exactly high fidelity, but it, it suggests... Alright, I'm going to read this off of here, alright? Um, Intel uh, i5-45... Uh, 4690 or AMD Ryzen 7 uh, 2700U I mean that's not a low processor granted I was running on my FX uh, chip so you know, <coughs> that's a little off but also suggest 8 gigs of RAM for this? really? is it using that much RAM? like is it inefficient? Uh, uh, it, it's inefficient poorly as hell optimized? Uh, I did notice it was eating up a, a fair amount of RAM for what it is but I didn't uh, look at the actual numbers. Let's just put it this way. Immediately after I record the Sunday sampler, I immediately uninstalled this game. I mean, that should tell you something, huh? <laughs> that bad, huh? Yeah. Popping a cough drop. That's better than Mega Aquarium. <laughs> this, this cough drop. <laughs> well, it actually does uh, what it says on the tin. Also, also one other thing that irritated me about the game, and this is uh, you know my like nitpick for the night. All right, everyone okay. that carries something in this game, they do not have an animation to carry it. The it's the same walking animation, and the item is just floating in front of them. And this was on the they, release version. They all have magic powers. Uh, yeah, they were all uh, you know uh, using telekinesis or something. It, it's one of those things I I noticed. And then I just couldn't stop seeing it. As a matter of fact, you can see it on the damn screenshots here. Uh, take a look on the... Uh, or if you're looking at this, on the fourth screenshot, the uh, woman going into the bathroom. Take a look at the coffee cup that she's holding. That's a giant coffee cup. Yeah. Just floating in front of her. Yeah, it's like a, you know, a 55-gallon drum of coffee, which... Yeah, uh, uh, granted, I, I can I, relate. I, I do enjoy my coffee, but you know, I think it wouldn't be good in the fifty-five gallon drum. 
And everything's just so low poly for the uh, system resources it requires. It's just weird. Yeah, so uh, not enthused. Uh, I, I would say a pass unless it goes uh, you know, on heavy discount and this is your thing. Uh, if they add in mod support or have more cosmetics where they could push it more to the sandbox aspect, then maybe. But it's just such a damn grind to go from one tier to another. It's quite the jump in prestige. And like I said, because you can't actively bring in people or you know, do some sort of marketing campaign, you're just at the whims of the game saying, okay, it's time for a new wave of people as people leave. Granted, I only played the release version, so maybe they changed things in the last three weeks. It does look like they're actively supporting it or actively patching it, but it, you know, uh, reduced memory usage of save and load menu. <laughs> uh, increased performance of save and load menu uh, uh, in the latest patch. That should tell you something, huh? <laughs> yeah. I do not think this game is well optimized at all. Uh, completely revamped the system for packing 3D models to decrease load times. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I would say this is a pass at least for 25 bucks. If this was in the 10 to $15 range, maybe. So, yeah, that's a uh, big aquarium unless you got any questions. But I think I've I successfully don't. turned you off from it. Oh, you turned me off on it the first time we <laughs> talked about it. Alrighty. Um... Uh, do you want to go? See, uh, I I can. Um, technically, I have three, but two of them I'm going to kind of talk about together, and you know which two. So, or should I do one more? Then you go in the middle. Why don't you go ahead and do one more? Okay. Well, my other one uh, or other main game I did was Hollow Knight, and this was one I actually streamed for a bit. Uh, my first uh, major foray in streaming, and um, Hollow Knight. It's one of those games that. I, I like, but it also frustrates the hell out of me. Where I, it, maybe I've gotten soft, but there's a, no real nudging in a direction. So there's a, a, been a few times in this game where I would think that I couldn't progress in a certain way because it didn't tell me a particular move that I already had. So I assumed that I needed to go get a new item in order to progress. Uh, a good example of this, oh, as I do on my kid when I scratch my nose, uh, was there was this one section where you bounce on mushrooms. Uh, um, Hollow Knight is a Metroidvania game, so, you know, that's uh, one of those things that there's a certain uh, style of uh, gameplay at, in play here where uh, there's the uh, usual trips, you know, there's usually some sort of double jump or dash maneuver or both. Uh, there's some sort of wall climb or wall jump, uh, that sort of thing. So whenever I would run into an obstacle that could be traversed in another way, I assumed that I was going the wrong way and I had to do something else. Uh, and I found it a little more frustrating than I think I uh, uh, would like. Also, uh, towards the end of my last stream on it, I ran into a bunch of enemies that like to teleport and then shoot you. Now, mind you... You have a spell, or at least I have a spell at this point, where I can do a ranged attack as well. But the game has this uh, system in it where you build up a spirit or soul or whatever. Uh, and you <clears> only <throat> could launch a magic attack a, a few times. And in order to regenerate it, you have to do melee damage. Which is a little frustrating whenever you're dealing with 
creatures that can teleport away. And also, it has a Dark Souls-esque element to it, where if you die, uh, you have a damaged uh, soul meter where you could only carry, or where you could only generate so much until you go reclaim your corpse and actually defeat the shade that you leave behind, which also gains the moves that you've uh, learned at that time to also gain back all the money that you've carried or uh, gained to that point that you haven't uh, successfully stashed away into the bank, which the bank is also uh, fairly far out of the way. It's a fun game, but I do think that it has a very certain niche to it that I'm not certain uh, is uh, uh, me just yet. I do enjoy my Metroidvanias. Uh, at least a few that I played, but this is a little bit more hardcore than what I've played in the past in this particular genre. And maybe it's just that I've kind of cut my teeth on uh, Metroidvanias that have a roguelite element on them where there's a procedural generation and you're expected to die and that's how you progress is you do a certain amount of the run to uh, build up power in between the uh, uh, the runs instead of uh, overarching, large sprawling, because it, the map is absolutely huge. I have even uh, uncovered a third of it, based on uh, some of the lists I've seen. Uh, but, yeah, it's a very interesting title. And I do like the aesthetic of it, but it's also a very frustrating title. It's a very difficult uh, Metroidvania. Which, that's not a bad thing, but it uh, requires a certain... Uh, finesse that I don't think I have yet. Also, I'm pretty convinced that one of the moves is, if not bugged, very, very difficult to do on my controller. The downward slash, it seems like I have less than a 50% success rate of actually doing it, no matter uh, how often I hit that button combination. Uh, the hit down and attack at the same time, and it seems like half the time I'm just slashing forward instead of uh, doing a downward slash. It's weird. No matter what I do, it doesn't seem to be registering <clears throat> properly, which uh, has also added to my frustration with the game. And I'm not sure if that's just you know me, if it's my controller, or if I just suck. But you saw, uh, but you saw, uh, yeah, be having trouble with downward slash, right? You were on that stream, right? Uh, I was. I don't remember you having trouble with downward slash. I remember the guy that came to the stream and was like. You have to downward slash the thing to bounce off of it. Yeah, and, and there was no that. yeah, there was no indication of that. <laughs> yeah, um, but then I left shortly after that. I don't remember you, you having trouble. Yeah, I, I was had, finishing I had editing. Getting, and I, yeah, I had trouble getting through that section because of the uh, downward slash not hitting properly all the time. Granted, I probably could macro it, but if it's bugged, then or I should say not bugged, but you know they have some sort of thing to prevent you from macroing because that could also be a thing. I don't know. It's weird. Just that downward slash thing is kind of holding me back from it just because of not hitting it properly. That's actually why I didn't get through Guacamelee was I hit a section where, ironically, it was the other way around. Uh, There was an uppercut move that I was having trouble hitting. So I'm not sure if, yeah, uh, the PlayStation 4 controller has some sort of weird thing with the D-pad, which it might. Yeah. I have no idea. I mean, I, I we talked about this a little bit too before. I uh, I like the looks of the game, and I can tell it's a good game. Yeah. Overall, yeah. you know, not perfect, but good. I just don't like 
this this type of game and a hardcore version of that does not appeal to me in the slightest mm-hmm. yeah and when i hit the next boss uh, which was essentially a big version of the enemies i was already bitching about yeah it kind of yeah. destroyed the momentum i had going into it because i was enjoying myself and then i hit ball uh you know hit enemies that would just teleport away and shoot you and you can't get away from them. That's the annoying thing is that if you try to run, they'll just teleport along uh, 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 in front of you and then shoot you. Yeah. I mean, that's not particularly fun, at least to me. Nope, that wouldn't be fun for me either. <laughs> and also, uh, uh, you are, it's kind of the opposite of a power fantasy where you're probably the weakest creature in the game, or if not, then one of them. Uh, one of the bosses uh, fairly early on is essentially a lot better version of you. She has a, a she's a lot faster. She has a longer range. She has better ranged attacks. And I'm just like, why can't I play her? <laughs> I want to be this character that's better than me. I mean, granted, that is part of the thing of Metroidvania is a character progression where uh, your character starts off... Uh, if not uh, very weak, you know, uh, in a weakened state of some sort, and slowly progresses in power, you know, gets new moves, gets uh, new uh, options, uh, do ways to diverse the level. Uh, but at the same time, you know, uh, being stuck with a very, very short range uh, slash and a ranged attack that you get maybe four charges of uh, before uh, you're out of spirit or out of soul, and then you have to. I go slash something a few times. I found it a bit irritating. <laughs> but it is a beautiful game. And going through the different areas uh, are there's very different themes at work. Just getting to uh, the City of Tears where uh, it uh, turns from this uh, big sprawling ca- uh, cave network to an underground city that's sitting under a lake that's leaks through the roof and creates a perpetual rainstorm uh, is absolutely breathtaking but yeah then it's kind of tempered by the fact that oh I gotta deal with this boss now yeah I'm not sure what else to really say about Hollow Knight though it's a uh, there's not a lot of story yet it's one of those games that it tells its story by the atmosphere by yeah, little bits here and there instead of an overarching full-on plot. I assume by the end of it, you'll have a better idea of what's going on. And it is a very long Metroidvania. Uh, north of 30 hours. And that's even before you get to the free DLC that's added new modes and new things that are just hidden away that you have to find and you know, do. It's a like I said, it's a very interesting game if you're interested in the genre, especially a more <clears throat> hardcore version of the genre. But I'm not sure if I'm quite there yet. Maybe this is one I should come back to at another time. Maybe. I don't know. Like I said, it looks good. I can tell it's a good game. Yeah. Not for me. Not in a million years. So. Alrighty. That was worth a shot, at least. Yeah. So do you want me to talk about one or or both of my... Oh, you can do both. Okay. So after we wrapped up um, Fallout New Vegas, I just kind of was like, hmm, I just want to play like some nice 
comforting games, like some chill, laid-back games, you know, go back to something familiar. Like, not that I had any issues with New Vegas or, like, was upset or anything by it, but I just was like, I just want to go back and play something that I'm really familiar with, that I can just enjoy and listen to some podcasts and stuff, because I couldn't do that while I was playing New Vegas for however many hours, many, and well, not, I had gotten not enough. Of, <laughs> I had gotten behind. Uh, like I say, I can help but river you one more time. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but so I, I played uh, technically three games, but two of them I'm going to talk together at the same time. And the, But the first one, though, I went back and I just started playing KSP again. I started a new game. I've never, or a new, a new career, and I've never really played the game an extended amount of time with no mods. Um, and I guess technically I'm not doing that because I'm using Kerbal Engineer, but uh, I've got to have uh, my... I, I, that has to be stock. Uh, I consider that uh, yeah, stock light at this point. It, it, yeah. It, it's very frustrating that they haven't put in at least a light version of Kerbal Engineer by this point. Right. Just something to give you your Kerbin Delta V. It, it would be enough, even honestly. If, even if it's you know, later in the career mode and you, know, it, you have to level up an engineer to be able to be able to be able to tell you you know how much delta v you have or even uh, just more information yeah that's just but, a, uh, that's, oddity that's the only mod i'm using is kerbal engineer just so i know what my delta v and thrust weight and stuff are um but otherwise i'm playing a completely stock game and i'm like halfway through the tech tree at this point uh, i just you know been a while since i played it thought it would be good to go back to been listening to podcasts while I play. Um, I've got uh, a, the KSS, you know, the Kerbal Space Station. Have to do that every time. Um, got. Uh, Have you captured a science... asteroid yet, or is that layer of the tech tree? I can't remember. Um, I'm pretty close to the tech to capture, be able to capture an asteroid. Um, the grabber arm is like right in the middle of the tech tree, but I the focused claw. on some other stuff first. Yeah, the claw. But that's going to be something that I do soon, is capture an asteroid. Um, I've got a couple of research bases, one orbiting the Mun and one orbiting Minmus with craft to go down and land and collect science and come back. Um, i got a couple of stuff I've launched out into the solar system for some quick science to radio back, that sort of stuff. But playing without mods pre- does present a new set of challenges because I'm so used to having like a million parts to do stuff and also additional science from the like the particularly the D magic science pack mm-hmm. but yeah when I play with uh, D magic I actually turned down my science uh, percentage to about oh, uh, 70 or 80 yeah because you can really quickly blow through the tech tree with all the extra stuff without if you don't do that Although research labs pretty much let you do that anyways. Once you get a couple going, um, able to get generate 500 science really quickly and then just beam it back home. But anyways, it's just like, you know, having to deal with some challenges I've not really had to deal with before because I have less parts. So I have to figure out how to make something using the parts in game or just change my design philosophy. And I mean, it's been fine. I've got enough experience. I know what I'm doing. It's just a little bit of like a... More of like a puzzle to solve as opposed to just like a an insurmountable problem. I just have to figure out, okay, what you know, what can I do with what I have as opposed to having, you know, a million things to go through. And uh it I mean it's been nice. It's, you know, been doing what I wanted it to do, which is just have something to relax to, 
um, listen to some podcasts too. My kid's more into it this time than last time. He's a little bit older. He really likes to <laughs> he likes to count down. He's like, let's build a rocket and count down, Daddy. So we count it down, you know, three, two, one, blast off, and then we'll launch the rocket. He likes to to do the stages, um, and it. He likes to like. He'll be like, oh, I'm gonna pr- I'm gonna press the space bar. No, don't do that. Too late. Well, we are not going to space today. I mean, that part is going to space that you just launched, you know, beyond the horizon. But the main part is not going to space today. So let's just abort. But I don't want to, like, take that away from him. Like, I don't want to lock the stages because it's fun and, you know, it's a good time for us to spend together. But um, I helped him make a very simple rocket just using an SRB um, with the the basic capsule on top of it. The, the big SRB. I forget which one it's called, but it has enough Delta V to get into orbit and i mean if you if you did like a perfect launch you could probably actually get an elliptical orbit out of it but i just let him do it completely Mm -hmm. and so we just went straight up and then straight back down and he didn't uh deploy the chute so the crashed into the ground in a glorious spectacular fireball well hardly the first death for jeb he was like whoopsie i didn't I didn't deploy the parachute, Daddy. I'm like, uh-huh, you did that on purpose. That was not a whoopsie. But we've had a blast playing it together. Um, we we tried building a space plane. Actually, that's not true. We did build a space plane. Trying to build a space plane without additional parts is difficult. Because it's like, where the hell am I going to put these rockets? Because I don't have... I'm not far enough up the tree to have what are they called the tiger the, or whatever uh, the, the one that the rapier can... engines. Yeah, I don't have those, so I'm having to use just a regular jet engine. Although I've got the ones I forget what they're called, but they're the ones that have afterburners. Mm-hmm. So I've got those and then attached rockets. But we did get it down. We built the space plane. We went to space. We circularized our orbit. We delivered a payload, just like a, a comsat, and then we came back, and that ended badly. Um, yeah, I'm not... Getting into space was fine. Coming back from space was a disaster. Yeah, I'm not good at the whole landing thing. Yeah, I mean, I was going to be happy to just land it anywhere. Um, I was going to try to land at the space center, but if I had to land somewhere else or ditch in the water, I would have been okay with that. But my design... I mean, space planes, I didn't give it enough wing surface area to handle flying at low speeds. So it just was flipping all over the place, and I didn't think to check what it would be like dry versus full so my uh um center of mass and center of lift were in the wrong spot it was just a disaster so we we bailed and i bailed out one of the pilots and deployed their parachute because that's standard now yeah is that they have parachutes and then i went to switch back to the plane i was going to bail out the other one i couldn't switch to it you can't switch like the message popped up it's like you can't change craft while in atmosphere and I'm like, well, fuck you, Valentina's going to die and have to be recycled at the... I mean, I didn't say that because my kid's sitting there, but in my head, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I'm just thinking of the comic now where it's uh, the lander that crashes on the... Well, let's assume mine or Minus, <clears throat> uh, yeah, one of the two. Uh, and out of the uh, wreckage, Jeb just climbs out. He activates his RCS and just starts flying back home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no... um, so Valentina Kerman died in a horrible crash as the space plane tumbled into a mountain. 
Well, let's just uh, uh, admit it. She was uh, uh, cackling with glee the entire time. She probably was. And, I mean, she'll recycle, and I can get her back from the the whatever. Yeah, it makes you wonder just what the biology of carbons are, where, uh, you know, they could die in a horrible, uh, uh, horrible, twisted, massive wreckage. And then uh, all of a sudden, they just walk back into space and are like, nothing happened. Yeah. It's like, hey, guys, what's up? How did you do that? Do you think they liquefy? Uh, they're a T-1000. Uh, they just, uh, you know, liquefy on impact, and they just kind of coalesce back together. Sort of, but I think instead of liquefying, they evaporate. Like, they turn into some sort of, like, powder, almost like pollen, and they float back to the space center on the wind currents. You know, because they're green. What, like a kerbal in the wind? <laughs> All we are is kerbals in the wind. But, I mean, it's been fun. I don't know how far I'll get. I mean, my goal was to finish out the tech tree and then maybe plant a flag on every body in the system. But I don't know if I'll actually get that far. I just always run out of steam before I get to the end, usually. And without mods, some of the things that I like to do are impossible. Like setting up a fuel base on Minmus or Oh, this was somewhere. that attitude. I mean, you can sort of do it, but you have it's it doesn't work as well. Yeah, I don't think I could do uh, KSP without mods. Or at least for long. It's a, it's a different experience, and I am enjoying it. But yeah, I'm I'm missing some of the things that that mods provide. So particularly some of the park packs uh, that yeah. f- that fill out some of the holes in the uh, uh, things. Uh, even with the DLC, oh, it's, did you get the DLC? No, I don't have that. Or right, I wasn't sure if uh, you had it or not. Uh, most of that really is just uh, you know. Uh, moddable. Um, the big thing is the uh, mission pack. I, I did. Uh, uh, I'm toying around with KSP myself, uh, and I actually went through some of the uh, tutorials and the scenarios. Uh, have you ever tried the uh, docking uh, uh, scenario? No, I've never done any of them. They give you the worst possible uh, spacecraft to, to try to dock with. All right. Uh, you have only RCS and you're in a space plane and don't ask me why they have a space plane around Memphis and you got Kerbals and the docking port faces up out of the plane yeah that sucks and the RCS isn't balanced properly so whenever you're trying to transition you roll slightly I'm, I'm, well, that's Kerbals for I'm you. I'm able to do it. It's just, uh, you know, there's a few curse words in the middle of all of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, what good would, would uh, or what fun would docking be if you didn't swear and also sing the, the song? Up a bit. Down a bit. Left a bit. Careful, you may summon ABK. <laughs> I would be okay with that. But yeah, so that's that's one game that I played. And then the other two games that I've played, I'm going to be talking about together because they just at their they're basically the same game with just the differences of uh the basic difference is where the engine is yeah so american truck and euro truck simulator i mean i've played these games before actually i've never played american truck before i played euro truck before um well when i say euro truck i mean euro truck simulator 2 but i think most people just call that euro truck but anyways, I, I mean, I've played Euro Truck before, and I've liked what I've played. And the thing that I've always said before is, like, I like this type of game. This is great for relaxing, for podcasting, and the management aspect gives it just enough to sort of go above and beyond that. 
but just like the time has never been right. I've always had one of those games anyways, like Factorio or Eve farther back in the past or uh, KSP. Um, so I was just like, you know what? I think I want to play play Euro Truck some. I, I, I just went to look. And you actually own the original Euro Truck. I do. And I've played it a little bit and I liked it. But I mean, it doesn't have the management and stuff. It's just driving your truck around, getting new trucks. Well, to be fair, there's but any- not much management to begin with. That's true. But anyways, um, so I started playing Euro Truck uh, a couple weeks ago, three weeks ago maybe. And I was really getting into it just before I left to go to Kyle and Mel's wedding. Um, so I put it on my laptop, tested it on there, figured out that it would run on my laptop. Uh, it, it'll stay at around 60 for a while. Um, eventually it gets hot and then thermal throttling kicks in. And it'll drop to about 35 or 40. Um, and then it slows down in cities uh, or in towns. I've been tweaking settings to try and keep it at least at 45, even when it's in town or thermal throttling kicks in. And I've about got it there. Uh, turning off like secondary vehicle lights and stuff like that has helped, uh, especially at nighttime. Because it runs worse at night during the day, actually. I guess because it's doing all of the extra reflections and everything, plus the secondary lights and some other stuff. So I've been tweaking it to get it run right. But once I got into Euro Truck, I was like, I should get American Truck Simulator too, because they were on sale that week. Um, so I bought American Truck Simulator. I thought it was, I think it was like the ATS Starter Pack or something mm-hmm. like that, which comes with the game and the um, the state DLCs oh, and the heavy cargo pack. Yeah, the one uh, state DLC. I uh, skip that, and I just got the state DLC to uh, uh, start with myself. Uh, after I believe it was Jim that sent me uh, American Truck Sim that week. Yeah, uh, I just but, I decided to skip the heavy cargo pack just because I wouldn't be able to use it for quite a while. Um, and, I don't know about Euro Truck, but in ATS you can get into it pretty quick. The American trucks in general are more powerful than true. the European trucks, so. You can get into the heavy cargo a lot sooner. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't have gone, uh, uh, but you know, I'll I'll complete that package later. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, they they are. It's weird. They're the same game, but they're not. Yeah, I mean, at its core, it's the same. You know, you're doing the same thing, managing this trucking company, building up your fleet, getting your trucks, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But because of the major differences in European style and American style trucks. The simulation aspect are two very different things. And also, actually, the differences in Europe and America. For example, everything in Europe is much closer together. Um, so, you know, even long-distance hauls in Europe are still much shorter than America. Um, the city designs are much clo- much more closely packed. Mm-hmm. Um, the DLCs, uh, I've got the Scandinavian DLC. Yeah, I would say the Those Scandinavian... Those cities are a little bit more spread out. Yeah, the Scandinavian DLC, at least in my opinion, is the best so far, but I haven't played uh, the Italian DLC yet. Uh, I, yeah. I'm, uh, and then... For uh, Euro Truck, I'm usually at least one map DLC behind. Yeah, but for... For American Truck Simulator, like, certain cities are extremely spread out with, you know, you might have to drive an hour one direction within the same, like, you know, an industry considered being in the same city. Well, an hour in-game, not a real-life hour. 
um, in order to pick up some cargo there. Uh, and the things like rest stops are a lot more spread out. Um, although the speed limits are a lot higher for the most part. Um, yeah, uh, doing 65 in a truck is a little scary at times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, try doing like 80 or 85. Because a couple of the interstates, I think it's in New Mexico. Oh, yeah, New Mexico. Or maybe Arizona up there. Is, is 80. So yeah, It you feels know, you like you're like on the edge of control. Over. Yeah. But the truck that I have now can do 90 hauling a trailer, and it can do over 100 if it's empty or if it's not pulling a trailer. That's scary. I turned off traffic offenses just because I didn't want to get a 1,000 speeding tickets just to test it. Boy, that's scary. <laughs> Even in-game, it's like, oh, it's wobbling. It's tipping over. Got to slow down. So that was that was fun. Yeah, I actually but, yeah, uh, the- well, I put down American Truck, and I went back to Euro Truck because of the uh, trailer uh additions that they added in recently where you could buy trailers yeah i'm farther along in american truck i'm i've got three drivers no i've got two drivers in my euro truck game and i've got four in my american truck game and then i've got trailers for each of them so four trailers in american truck and and two in euro truck i can't recall if i have any any drivers in american truck Uh, i don't think i do yet I was trying to pay off uh, the loan to be able to really just go all out on uh, my first couple of drivers and just build up. Uh, but yeah. in Euro Truck, I have something. Uh, I have what sixty eight drivers. I told you. Yeah, you said you spent like six million on trailers when that uh, expansion. No, I only came spent out five. That... Oh, only five million. Yeah, I went from uh, nine million in the bank to four. I've spent like a million total in American truck and not even half that in Euro truck. The thing is that, uh, that 4 million, uh, doesn't even cover half my, uh, driver base, uh, for trailers, but yeah. all the trailers are pretty much constantly in use. And it does seem like yeah. the, using, uh, tr- your own trailers gives, I would say about, uh, somewhere like a 20, uh, 25% boost to the profit of, uh, the, uh, load. Yeah, I'll do it both ways. I like to vary up what I'm delivering, but I'll grab a trailer if I want to make you know quick money. Because you pick a job that's going you know a thousand plus miles in American truck, you'll get forty to fifty thousand for the delivery plus um, you know the the trailer boost that's somewhere between ten and twenty percent. I think it varies, but yeah, I, I've seen as much as twenty and as little as ten for similar jobs. So you know you want you can earn sixty, seventy, eighty thousand in one delivery, maybe even more once I get some more of my skills up because I've maxed out long distance driving. Uh, and, well, an American what truck is it, ADR. Uh, well, an American truck uh, long distance hauling, at least for the time being, isn't as important because it's a smaller map for now. Uh, so in Euro truck, uh, because the map has you know, all the DLCs in such a long distance. It's actually more important to have a long haul there than it is an American truck right now. Well, see, I don't have all of the map DLC for Euro truck, so they're roughly, I would assume, the same distance. Um, maybe. Actually, the, I need to go the check Euro that. truck map is a little larger, but I mean, you can drive once you get the maxed out an American truck. You can find deliveries that are fifteen hundred miles or so long. If you go from like the top of California. All the way to the the bottom, uh, or the most the most northwest corner of California, down to the most southwest corner of 
what is that new mexico it's like 1500 to 2000 miles mm-hmm. which is what in kilometers yeah i was 2400 comparison yeah that's 24 2500 kilometers which I mean, you know, I don't. I've not done anything that far. I don't. I've only got long distance up to like three or four ranks in Euro Truck. Yeah, uh, so yeah, I can't Euro even truck, go that far. Uh, going from one side of the map to the other, for me with a maxed out driver, is something like eighty or ninety thousand euros. Yeah, but it's also yeah a very long haul, obviously. Yeah the the longest drive I've taken so far in game hours was 20 hours 19 or 20 hours i i earned like seventy five thousand off ah, of that okay and okay, that's okay. when i got my last driver uh i think uh well yeah the, uh the american truck sim map is far smaller than the euro truck sim map at least at the time uh, of the recording so yeah uh, there's uh, still quite a ways to go. Uh, that's even after the rescale. Yeah. Let's, um, let's put it this way. The, but there's still... the Scandinavian DLC is probably about the same size as the main body of the map, uh, California, Nevada, and Arizona, with New Mexico adding another big chunk. Yeah. Although, isn't it, is it Oregon? Oregon, right? Yeah. It's coming out soon. Yeah, that'll add a, or another just came decent out? chunk. Uh, no, it comes out in a couple days. Okay. Like, uh, well, it comes out tomorrow, so it'll be yesterday uh, on the day this releases. Oh, good. I'll have a new map to play this weekend, or a new portion of the map to play this weekend. I'm guessing you're getting it on launch then. Unless it's like too expensive, I don't know. I'd, I'd probably be like fifteen bucks for it. I, I've thoroughly enjoyed my time in the game, though. Yeah, it's it, yeah, nice yeah, it's and a, relaxing. It's a zing game. Yeah. yeah. So um, and and having them separated helps because I play Euro Truck on my laptop, play that at work, or sometimes like um, if Katie's using the office to teach her classes or whatever, I'll sit in the living room, and then I play American Truck on my desktop. Yeah, I'm trying to find what the price of Oregon will be or Oregon. Uh, well, New Mexico was twelve bucks on launch, so it'll likely be about the same. Yeah, then I'm I'm down for that. I'd pay twelve bucks for that. I would imagine the larger ma- uh, the larger states would be uh, more expensive or broken up into chunks. Because uh, I hope I hope they don't do that. More expensive, fine chunks. Pl- please no. Unless uh, you know they do the episodic thing. <laughs> you know, you buy the season of Texas. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, Texas. I could maybe see them breaking up Texas into like East and West Texas or something. Texas is a really big state. I mean, Texas is bigger than many countries. Um, and then Alaska, if they ever added Alaska. Alaska is about the size of, what, half the continental United States? Yeah, it's massive, but there's also not a lot in Alaska. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the civilization is that's right true. there on the coast. So unless you yeah, do some true. ice road trucking, then, yeah, there's not a lot to do there. That would be interesting. Although I think I, I would prefer them do the the rest of the continental U.S. I, first. I would rather have, have them do ice road trucking as its own game. Yeah, have they said that they were going to do that? Do the entire continental U.S.? Uh, they said they eventually want to if uh, uh, interest uh, sustains. 
my interest is high in that. Like I just I just want to be able to truck around where I live. Uh, honestly, Chattanooga, honestly, Atlanta, they, Knoxville, when they, Nashville. When I hit the northeast, uh, I really expect them to do it in chunks. Yeah, know, to bond states because you know you don't need River Island as its own DLC. Uh, I'm I'm no. sorry to the like the three people that live in Rhode Island, but you know your state's a little on the small side. Yeah, or Washington D.C. Technically not a state. No, but I mean they could put that in as its own separate thing. Actually, it'd probably just be one city in the map, D.C. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I just I just want to be able to drive around the southeast. And I mean Atlanta is a huge city as well as, you know, anything in Florida. Oh, I just had a thought. Miami, I, Orlando. I, I just had a bad thought. What? Atlanta with the in-game uh traffic AI. Oh god, no. <laughs> Atlanta's a I have I have to drive through Atlanta a few times a year and I always dread it because it's terrible. Is it just uh, is it just the highway system hasn't been upgraded? Well, part of the problem is is that they're always working on it. So even though there should be like sixteen lanes of traffic, most of the time you have like three. How can you and be perpetually working on something and never finish it? They just are. They always are. They start at one end and they go to the other end, and by the time they're at the other end, it's time to go start at the first end again. Almost like the VGL rewards. Almost. <laughs> So, I mean, they, that road is constantly, perpetually being worked on, which slows down traffic. And there are, I don't know how many people, millions of people. And I don't think I'm, I'm like, I'm not exaggerating, like millions of people that drive on that, on those highways every day. Between the, I think the word drive I, is a little exaggerated there. Park. That, that park on that highway every day. Because... Atlanta is a huge city. It's got suburbs around it, all over around it. It's got some of the worst traffic in the country. Like, probably L.A. is about the only place that I would believe has worse traffic than Atlanta. Yeah, but at least both of them are in the squelching heat. Yeah. The very humid heat. But so, yeah, that's Euro and American Truck. I've been playing the shit out of those games, and I intend to keep doing it. (laughs) <laughs> I've got little goals set for myself. I want to get all the achievements for hitting all the cities and then getting my garage maxed out and trailers for everyone and expanding. I'm I'm in this game for the long haul. Uh, huh? Huh? Uh, sorry, that was an engine brake going off. <laughs> all right. So back to you, buddy. Uh, so you I got? got two more, and these should be a lot faster <laughs> because I didn't put as much time into them. Uh, Dirt Rally. I, I don't think I've talked about this after the free weekend. I've been dabbling on this uh, on and off for since I got it in the Humble Bundle a while back. And Dirt Rally, it's, it's one of those games that's good, but they're, well, I'm handicapped to begin with. And I'm also having trouble playing the game. But <laughs> uh, I'm playing with a controller, so that's already a handicap. Uh, because this uh, this is, well, they purport it to be a simulator, but I still put it in more of the arcadey sim, but just more on the sim side because there's just so many knobs to turn in uh, uh, car management and car uh, uh, setups. Uh, but, you know, you could still have things where, you know, you 
bump of the curb and it does this weird bounce tumbles down the road uh, for a few hundred feet then you're able to just drive off like nothing happened uh but there's a few things in this that's really kind of irritated me one is the entire rally cross section uh the game career mode you progress through different championships and pretty much the only difference between the early championships and the later ones is just how much margin of error you have to deal with the uh, the computer's uh, drivers. Because there's no difficulty settings in this game whatsoever. Short of just setting the game's overall uh, assists. You know, uh, your ABS, uh, your car stability, that sort of thing. Which... They hid very, very deep in the settings to the point where I didn't even think they had it at first until I started digging for it because people were talking, well, if you're going to play with a controller, just turn up uh, the ABS a little bit and make the car a little bit more stable in the settings. Where? Oh, uh, it's not in that those settings. It's in these other settings. Ah, oh, fine. Okay, well, finally get it where the game is a little bit playable. And I... Uh, the rally cross uh, is frustrating on a couple aspects. In the previous dirt games, the drivers were not perfect. They were aggressive with both you and each other, and they could make mistakes. They could screw up. They could, uh, you know, take a turn uh, a little too hot and uh, slam into the wall. Uh, they uh, could hit a jump wrong and end up uh, a tumbling, a uh, massive twisted metal going down the highway. But in this. All the drivers in the rallycross, even in the early championships, are absolutely perfect drivers. Plus, they're in upgraded cars compared to you. As you drive, you unlock different upgrades for your cars to make them essentially just you know, better versions uh, for pretty much free. And in order to get unlock those upgrades, you have to drive a certain distance. And if you restart a championship, you lose the distance that you already t- uh, uh, t- you know, gained on that car, or I should say, you restart a race. So you have this very, very frustrating treadmill while you're driving against absolutely perfect drivers in supercars compared to what to the hunk and junk you're driving. And it's just very, very frustrating. On top of that, the automatic transmission in this game fucking sucks. And trying to play with a controller, you're already on the edge of. Uh, instability to begin with maybe this is just my inexperience with a more simulation style racer but everything every no matter what I do the car always feels very squirrely and that's just because I have so uh, little range between no steering and full on steering so it's like I'm just grabbing the wheel and yanking there's no finesse even with all the assists turned way up which also mind you, slows the car down. So you're seeing a sort of you know, doubling up on the fuck you factor here. And it's really taken the fun out of a mode that I've enjoyed in the previous Dirt games. Now granted, the rally section uh, it's a lot more fun to me. I do enjoy my rally driving, but and that you don't even see the AI cars, which is a little odd to me. They're just kind of running in the background, you know. Uh, they're a simulation. 
which maybe that's where they're, you know, the simulation aspect of this comes in. Yo, they're just simulating the other cars in that mode, huh? Hi-yo. Uh, but at least in the early uh, championships, there's a wide spread between first place and last place in times. So it's not as frustrating, but there's the still the frustration factor of not having the control that I would like because even turning up all the assists, I'm, everything still feels so uh, jittery and uh, on that edge of control, but losing the speed because of it. And, you know, the automatic uh, transmission, which I can't really divert the attention I need for a manual transmission because I don't have that you know, muscle memory for it. Uh, uh, it just, I can't divert the attention, so I'm losing more speed there. So I'm having to settle for, you know, uh, further and further and further down the pack until I build up the car to even have a chance of getting in the podium positions, you know? Not even winning, I might add, because hell, the winning times on each stage is like 30 seconds to a minute ahead of me. And it's a, uh, in a championship, at least in my uh, position on the career mode, is four stages. So, you know, by the time uh, I'm at the end of the career, the winning driver is like a full stage ahead of me. <laughs> Which is something else, is that uh, in the career mode, uh, the rally mode is set up into pairs, at least in the early careers, where it's four stages, but you drive two back-to-back, all right? And in between, you have essentially a pit stop where you could repair your car and change the setup a little bit. Well, when you're changing the setup and trying to tune in your car, uh, you could take it on a shakedown, you know, uh, practice the track. But, 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 but. You could only practice on the first quarter of the first stage in that set. So everything beyond that, you're essentially sight reading the entire race. And it's like trying to sight read flight, flight of the fucking bumblebee at times because the uh, the co-driver will sometimes spout off a half a dozen different uh, instructions for upcoming turns. And, and I am swear, it's just, oh, it. it it's another just case of utter frustration, which I realize, yeah, this is not the driving game that I'm used to. This is not the genre. I'm used to more of an arcadey side of things, but a sim game that doesn't allow you to practice the tracks, they just throw you in. That, that doesn't seem very right to me. D- does it to you? Yeah. that No, every sim game I've ever played will let you, practice the track beforehand yeah the only way to practice it, it is, is to it. go into a sandbox mode and not or you know a, a quick race mode instead of the actual career mode which the career mode it limits the amount of shakedowns that you could do which makes sense but you can't even do the full you can't even do the full first stage yeah so I, I, the first time i tried the championship uh I, you know, mistakenly thought, well, it's the shakedown is only letting me do this much. Maybe it's, you know, shorter uh, races for the first part, you know, for the first uh, few careers, and then they expand it out. No, no, no. I, I tuned for that first part, and then I hit the next part, and then I realized I'm not even a quarter, or I'm hitting a quarter of the way through the first uh, section. And then it puts me on a second track that I have even uh, considered because it was not listed as connected to this. It was its own separate entry. 
So, yeah, it, it caught me completely off guard there. It's just, it, I guess, another case of trying to be two different things at once. Yeah, maybe so. I don't know. I mean, Doesn't... if you put enough time into it, uh, Dirt Rally is a good racer, but it requires a lot more memorization uh, than just utter practice because of that sight reading problem. Uh, so, but last game? Indeed, last game. Okay, so the last game on my list is the one I played the least out of my list, but it's also a lesson on how to not retain me as a player. Let it die. And boy, did I let it. Uh, let it die is, well, a Suda 51 game, so things get a little weird in this, <laughs> to say the least. Right. I didn't get far enough to really understand any of the story. To be honest, I never got past the tutorial, and I'll get into why, but let's just put it this way. Death has gotten a lot more annoying since I last seen him in Manual Samuel. <laughs> okay. Uh, at least he's learned how to ride his damn skateboard, though. Uh, no, I'm not joking. It's another skating death. Why is this a thing? Did death in... um. What was it? Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey? Did the Grim Reaper skate in that? To be honest, I don't recall. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if I've ever seen that one. Yeah, uh, it was the, but, the but, sequel. But, but, but this is pretty much... Yo, every weird thing you can think about Japan, the game. Alright? Yo, Death calls you Simpa constantly. Breaking the fourth wall, skating around. <laughs> uh, but... And this is a roguelike, a roguelite meets Dark Souls. All right. All right. Uh, with uh, character progression, you know, you die, you uh, uh, are able to reclaim your stuff, I think. Like I said, I didn't get past the tutorial because, well, let's see. First, I booted up the game and I decided to try out mouse and keyboard. Well, I... Uh, realized things were going to go downhill when I was having uh, trouble getting past the EULA. To give you an idea that this is a bad uh, port for uh, controls, the EULA, to scroll down it, you move the mouse. It's bound essentially to the right analog stick. Mm, I don't like this already. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Uh, so, and then I had to use the arrow buttons to select accept. <laughs> I'm, yep. I was very close to uninstalling then and there. <clears throat> yep, I don't like, I don't like any of this. So, uh, the game zooms in on this, uh, uh, subway full of dudes and ladies that you select your character and, you know, and they, uh, get zapped with your whatever and uh, you get in control over them and it goes through the tutorial death rides up on a skateboard annoys the ever-living fuck out of you you know pretty much standard for pseudo 51 right yep uh well i'm going through the tutorial uh, doing all right in the very beginning then it starts telling me concepts that it's using button prompts from a playstation controller for Mind you, my controller was not turned on at the time. So uh, the computer wasn't seeing any controllers attached. But it was still giving me 
button prompts that I couldn't translate because it was telling me, oh, press triangle to do this. I stopped, look at the keyboard. Uh, I don't Which one of triangle. these is triangle? <laughs> I can spell triangle. All right, fine. Grab the controller, turn it on. Uh, try to move. It doesn't allow switching controls mid-game. Well, fuck. Uh, quit out. Uh, restart with the controller turned on. And it puts me back at the beginning of the tutorial. All right. All right. So, I, okay, let's do this again. I wasn't too far in the tutorial. Uh, start just skipping all the cutscenes with death, which thankfully they let you do that. So, yo, that's a small mercy. Uh, <laughs> and I quickly realized that even in the tutorial, the roguelike elements are there. Uh, and I start having trouble when they put me up against a guy that has a spear of uh, some degree. You know, it's uh, it's post-apocalyptic, so, you know, there's all the, you know, makeshift weapons just out of uh, uh, stuff. Uh, like, uh, uh, people using uh, circular saws for a weapon, that sort of thing. Uh, well... Uh, the game has it where the stamina, at least on your starting character, because from what I can understand, as you level up and gain more money, you essentially buy a new tier of starting characters to have a better overall stat, all right, uh, or starting stats, plus on top of all the raincoats and <clears throat> traffic cones that you could wear, that sort of thing. And no, I'm not joking about that. Nice. Uh, okay. So the starting character could roll about three times before they essentially have a heart attack and are just stuck there because they've used too much stamina and their heart is uh, beating too fast. And I'm up against a guy with a spear and the stamina is also used for attacks. So you can imagine how much fun that was. So I wrestle my way through the uh, game or through the tutorial and I get to a point where uh, mid uh, cutscene death you know, uh, forced death, which makes me wonder why the fuck I even barred to begin with. And, you know, death is talking about how, uh, you've been playing Let It Die. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a video game inside the video game. Uh, you're like in the uh, Purgatory Arcade, it seems. Uh, and he says, here, let me reset it for you. And it gives me an option to exit game. All right, fine. I'm through the tutorial. Great. Oh, I'm getting a little bit hungry. I'm going to go uh, turn this off and go eat dinner and come back. Uh, uh, grab dinner, come back to play a little bit more, to try it out, to get a feel for it, to see if I wanted to play it some more. It puts me back at the fucking beginning of the tutorial, after it gives me an option to exit. Okay. And then I said, fuck it... you, and I uninstalled. <laughs> no, no, it had it put out a main menu and had an e exit screen. It wasn't all F4 or anything. It literally had exit game there. So, yeah, I let it die. Well, there you go, got, I guess. Got a lesson on how not to retain me as a player. Have absolutely horrid uh, control configuration. I mean, uh, it was kind of playable on a mouse and keyboard until they started throwing controls at me that I, that they wouldn't bother me telling me the proper buttons for. Uh, let's put it this way. Uh, I think uh, the pause menu... Well, uh, well, I shouldn't say pause menu because it's 
online Dark Souls. So, there, of course, there's well, Dark Souls anyway. It doesn't have proper paws. It brings up the menu. Uh, it took me ages to find that was, I think it was T or F or something, which was just weird uh, to be able to swap out stuff. Uh, to be able to swap out my gear, I, had, I think I had to go to the arrow keys to do that. It, it, you know, it's just obviously not designed for mouse and keyboard. And when I uh, came back with the proper uh, control scheme, uh, the uh, uh, it uses a left-right uh, uh, melee system, so you're able to put uh, different weapons in each hand to uh, try to uh, counteract a, a enemy armor, because there's like six <coughs> or seven different uh, damage types. Of course there is, right? Uh, uh, and uh, different ones have different strengths and weaknesses, and you're able to uh, uh, yeah, do uh, attacks are bound to the left and right uh, triggers to try to uh, do a combo with the two weapons. Uh, but like I said, that eats up a lot of stamina. And then if you have to dodge roll out, uh, you end up uh, having to really, really, really pace yourself. And I'll just, oh, I, I already saw where the ground was going with this. And after uh, uh, it putting me to the tutorial now for the fourth time, no. Or, or sorry, for the third time, I should say. No, I had enough. <laughs> yeah. Don't uh, don't blame me there. That sounds terrible. Yeah, the fact... Don't give me an ex uh, option to exit the game if it's going to make me go through the tutorial again. I think that's a fair thing to say, right? Yeah, I, I agree. Alrighty. Well, that's all the games we played this week. Yeah. Or this last or, two or, or weeks or played. three weeks or whatever. Yeah. Sort of played? Something like that. So, moving on then to the news. Uh, and we've got an amalgamation of three news topics that we're calling Workers' Comp, a state of the gaming industry. But these are three news articles that are related to uh, stuff going on in the gaming industry. Uh, there's some people, some workers that complaining on Twitter about the way that they're treated by the industry, which... I'm not saying that to like make fun of them or whatever. I just like I said that, and I thought, ah, my tongue feels a little <laughs> sarcastic or whatever. I'm not like being sarcastic. Uh, you know, good for them for complaining about their industry and and wanting change. Um, and then over the last year, there's an article that's talking about how a thousand jobs have been lost uh, in in studio closures over the past year. And then the last one is a, a very long article. Um, yeah, I would say editorial, sort of like an editorial. Yeah. Uh, discussing um, how people, how developers shouldn't make indie games and how we shouldn't support indie game developers. Yeah, which, so we thought that would be... Yeah, it's kind of uh, contradictory whenever we're seeing a thousand jobs lost and uh, someone saying, oh, you should go work for a studio. Yeah, let's just go ahead and start with that one because it's the big one. Uh, it's, it's bigger than the other two articles combined. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, it's one of the writers at gamesindustry.biz put this together. Mm -hmm. Um and it's a rather long I clicked on the wrong Well, well the fall director uh, John Warner rethinks the ethics of guiding aspiring uh, aspiring ah uh, uh, developers without acknowledging some harsh realities. Yeah, and this is a rather lengthy article with 
was it four or five major points that he expands on mm-hmm. as he goes discussing the sort of realities of the industry um, and how the industry is getting more and more difficult to get into as an indie developer, citing some things like I'm just sort of going to vary in a nutshell this starting some uh, or citing some things about uh, with Steam and how many indie games come out on Steam. You know, you're basically just sort of taking a big risk, putting yourself out there in that huge bundle of mixed, you know, garbage with the occasional like hidden gem and stuff like that. Um, it's expensive and time consuming, uh, very stressful. Um, sometimes people spend too much time like going to school programs or, or schooling programs but how they need to specialize in something uh, instead of taking like a generalist approach and a few other things along those lines. And he basically he's saying, you know, you should go work for a studio, but then there's all this other stuff going on in the industry about uh, major studio closures within the last year and the studios that are doing well, most of them treat their employees like garbage um, considered more of a commodity than a person at a lot of companies and some of the developers are saying that like they feel like they're treated like a commodity uh, to be bought and sold as opposed to a human being who's spent a lot of time honing their craft but going through this article really what he's saying is that at least what the impression I got from it was that being an indie gamer or not any gamer an indie game designer is a lot like being a small business owner and like opening or starting a small business just I, I do have some personal connection to that. Like my dad has his own business and I worked in it when I was a kid and a teenager. Um, and I have some memories of like some hardships and stuff whenever like the economy was down or uh, there was a major shift to online storefronts um, and how that change was difficult for my dad and his business and stuff. And so, you know, I, I do see that and maybe it's different in different cultures, but as an American, I'm just sitting here going, I mean, that's kind of what one of the things that we're like part of the American dream, like having your own business and being an entrepreneur and, you know, the whole idea of like, I can get rich on my own here in America, which I know, like, realistically is pretty much bullshit at this point. Mm -hmm. But that ideal still exists. Um, And plenty of small businesses fail all the time, Uh, not just, you know, these individual entrepreneurial ventures. But on top of that, plenty of big businesses fall or go on hardships as well. I mean, jumping back over to game studios, I mean, we just talked last time about Telltale and how they are effectively shutting down and they're down to just 25 employees to wrap up their last couple of projects and um, meet shareholder expectations or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they were a huge, well, not huge, but a, a very large, successful company you know, with several hundred employees. And then Bosky Games in the same situation, Cliffy B's company, how it shut down after making uh, a few games. Or two games, yeah, two games. Um, And how it had... I don't know how many employees Bosky had, but I think it was around 100 employees. Uh, According to this, 60. Oh, 60, okay. I mean, that's... I mean, that's considered a small business level, mm-hmm. you know, that's like somewhere between that small and the first tiny steps of like a medium business. But still, I mean, that's a, a pretty good sized company. Like stuff like that runs all the time in smaller places, you know, more regional locales um, well, or certain businesses well, that maybe even, don't need to have well, it, a big storefront. Well, it's not even just a uh, you know, mismanagement. Like, 
uh, Cliffy B had and uh, Telltale. <coughs> Uh, another example, just from pulling from the list of the thousand uh, jobs lost, uh, Gazillion Entertainment was forced to close down because Marvel ended their partnership with the studio, and that was two hundred jobs. Yeah, uh, it, it, they did nothing wrong. They were in a contractual obligation to Marvel, and Marvel pulled the plug, and that was uh, the end of it. Uh, granted, yep. you could uh, say that they should had a, a, you know, some sort of side project going, but at the same time, you know, they were uh, getting a steady paycheck. So, you know, it's uh, some uh, uh, some of column A, some of column B there. And uh, a lot of this, uh, the original editorial that kind of sparked all of this is saying, well, you uh, should just work for the big companies because... Uh, trying to play the indie game is playing the lottery but i think uh, the message here is lost i think uh, what really should have been said by it's time we stopped encouraging indies is i think the a proper title for this was i think it's time we stopped encouraging indies to bet the farm I, yeah i think if you went into an indie game intelligently <laughs> or do it for the art and not expect to be the next Minecraft to be the even the next Stardew Valley or Banished or you know all these small indie games that got a cult following but do it because it's a project that you want to do go into it expecting to make nothing and that's it then it's a lot more intelligent to say that you know it's not that big a deal it was my time i wanted to get this pet project out i was able to do it it didn't sell but it exists and maybe down the road someone will find it but yeah. betting the farm on your project which we have seen success stories uh, i mean cuphead is a good example of that where they mortgaged their house and they bet everything on cuphead and the gamble paid off for them uh, they're a very successful studio now they're putting out dlc and I imagine that there's going to be more in the future from them. But that is a huge gamble that they maybe shouldn't have done uh, in hindsight. Uh, hindsight says that yeah. Yeah, uh, it, it paid off, but yeah, it was just as easy to lose it all. Because you know, Cuphead, uh, on, in essence, isn't a unique game outside of its art style. It's a boss rush uh, platformer with uh, some platforming elements. But what made Cuphead uh, so appealing was that it took a unique turn of things and it was able to grab the attention of the gaming press. If it did not grab the, that attention, it would have either fallen into obscurity or never came out to begin with. Yeah, that makes sense. And I mean, a lot of small businesses too, when you start those, um, you know, the people that do go all in, bet everything, mortgage their house or whatever... That sort of strategy usually usually only pays out one of two ways. Either your business winds up being wildly successful or you go bankrupt. And the problem is you don't to hear be... about the people that go bankrupt. So yeah. uh, you have that false sense of security. Well, uh, I've seen so many people talk about uh, you know, betting the farm and uh, you know, uh, it, the roulette wheel coming up the proper number. But you don't hear about the thousands and thousands of people that lost everything because they bet too hard yeah and that makes sense for small business too as well as game like you know you have this 
essentially you start working out of your garage on the side. You know, it's that equivalent of starting a business in your garage on the weekends and on nights and you build that into something. And then once that is something, then you move over to it from whatever it is that you were doing. And I think of some indie game success stories that have done that, like, um, Oh shit! It just left me. The the farming game Stardew. on Steam, Stardew Valley, wasn't that one of those? It was a passion project he worked uh, yeah, on for a couple of yeah, years. And... I remember seeing Stardew Valley years <clears throat> and years ago, uh, and at the time it, they only had two of the seasons in play. Uh, it wasn't uh, available for sale. It was just uh, the site showing off, uh, you know, what uh, what they're planning on doing. Uh, and you know, I forgot about it for ages until it you know it started making the rounds when it was uh, coming up for release. I mean that's its own little passing project, but he uh, worked on it uh, bits and pieces here and there. Or you have uh, you know kind of odd ones uh, that passion projects that's been worked on for years and years that the community supports. Let's pick one almost at random. How about our current game club game? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Uh, Dwarf Fortress is a passion project that's been worked on for a decade that is uh, community funded and is available for free and it because it's funded by the community the developer is able to work full time on it but it's something that he went into not expecting to happen it was just a passion project to toy around with he wanted to make essentially a fantasy world generator and things kind of snowballed <laughs> Yeah. Does I didn't really. Is he supported on Patreon? Uh, he's supported on Patreon and direct uh, donations. Okay. You're you're looking up how much? I'm looking up right now. Well, the better place is actually the uh, uh, main blog because at the beginning of each month, he uh, does a state of the fortress post. So there should be one up now. Oh wow! <laughs> Fifty-eight. Fifty nine hundred dollars a month, fifty six sixty grand a year to develop Dwarf Fortress. Uh, well, here's the fun with numbers for the last five months. In September, he got uh, total uh, donations seventy five hundred, or sorry, seven thousand five hundred ninety five dollars and seventeen cents. In August, he got seventy seven, or sorry, seven thousand seven hundred forty one dollars and twenty two cents. In July, he got $8,019.09. In June, he got $7,485.99. And in May, he got $7,761.55. So basically, these two brothers yeah. are making yeah, there's one that's 70 to 80 grand a year. Yeah, there's essentially one that's the main programmer and one that's kind of like the idea guy and kind of bug tests and everything else kind of crazy i mean hey good for them they've been working on this for a long time good for them i would love to have something that i can you know work on as a passion passion project that turns into a full-time career like that i mean i love the work that i do i'm not saying like i want to quit my job and go all in it sounds like you're saying that (laughs) but if i ever did start doing something like this i would love to turn a hobby like that into a full-time career I mean that's that's pretty good money just about anywhere in the United States. The big cities, you yeah, know, and that's he lives, I believe, sort of media but... Yeah, so I mean they're making probably even if they split it in half, you know, thirty five to forty grand per brother per year. I mean that's Jared, 
in the last five months, but, I just did the quick math. Just over $38,000. Yeah, but I'm saying like, you know, seventy dollars or $80,000 for the whole year. They split it in half. So that's them getting thirty-five to forty grand each a year, and also well taxes and well, stuff well, well, would well, take some. Well, here's, of that, a, here's the thing: is that these are just normal numbers in between versions. When a new version comes out, which is about once every year to two years, uh, on a on a version release month, he'll make ten to fifteen thousand that month. Nice, good for them. You go, uh, Tarn and Zach Adams. Also, um, you guys, as a Toadie one is the main guy. Uh, Toadie one, the great on the forums. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but you know that's another example anyways. of a passion project just snowballing, which kind of flies in the face <clears throat> of this, where you know they're talking about not being able to make it, uh, but that's the yeah you know, not the point of the passion project. So yeah, should we just go down this? Uh, point by point sure if you want to okay uh do that real quick uh, point one is what makes you think that you could be an indie if you can't get a job i mean that feels a little um contradictory doesn't it compared to yeah working in the industry where the industry staff is talking uh, which is the industry staff protest uh working conditions with twitter storm where um uh, one of the first tweets on here is if you want to work in the industry that puts well the well-being of game developers uh, in the forefront, before shareholders, before clients, before management, before public image, before established practices, before uh, corporate culture, before everything else, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, that kind of makes you want to work for a studio, doesn't it? Uh, there's just so much talk about crunch time, about uh, toxic behavior in uh, the corporate culture, uh, about just letting people go when they're done on a project and not retaining their uh, their talent. Uh, yeah, kind of uh, uh, damned if you do, damned if you don't, huh? Yeah. And I love that they bring up the Dunning-Kruger effect for this as well. Uh, it makes me think that he's suffering from the uh, tall end of it, huh? Yeah. <laughs> um, but point number two, most successful indies have extensive experience in the games industry. Which I'm gonna um, uh, go back to uh, uh, something I used to do ages and ages ago was right, and uh, there was this general rule. Uh, well, it's in, uh, pretty much any passion project thing. Your first few projects usually suck, and that's okay. It allows you to gain the experience and to get better. So, so what if the most successful indie uh, developers have extensive experience in the games industry? It allows you to cut your teeth. It allows you to make mistakes. It allows you to improve as a designer, as a, a coder, as an artist, depending on what you're doing in the actual project. There, you know, There's nothing wrong with failure if you learn from it. And it doesn't cost you everything. Which you know, comes yeah. back right around to what we talked about before. Don't bet the fucking farm on a passion project becoming the next Minecraft. Anything to say there? No, I mean, you got it right on, man. Right on. Right on, man. Um, let's see, number three, now is not the time to express your high-level direction ideas. Be patient. People who tell you otherwise are trying to take your money. Which, that seems a little 
odd because he's t- uh, first of all talking about getting a job in the game industry with a, essentially a, you know, a triple A studio or something. So you want to wait until you get a job in the studio and then uh, give your big ideas and then not have any control over them whatsoever. They become the property of that studio. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't really have anything to say about that. Either. Yeah. Yeah. Just, it feels like he's uh, wanting to farm the industry for uh, indie talent for uh, the big studios instead of everything else. Doesn't it? Yeah. That's how it comes across. I agree with that. <clears throat> and he says, number well, four, well, well, I was oh, just going to say that, uh, I would say indies are actually probably the better place to express your high level uh, direction ideas because indies are allowed to make mistakes. Like I just said in point two, uh, a big, uh, even double A to triple A games, you know, even in the lower end of those, the double A, they're not going to take major risks. They will be more risky, but if you have something completely off the wall, a completely different direction, Odds are, if your idea even sees the light of day, you know, they'll, uh, it'll be neutered. It'll be uh, watered down. Uh, indie is allowed to be more risky. I mean, hell, uh, going back to Cuphead, uh, which I realize is a bad example because they bet the farm, but do you think any major studio would have hand-animated their Boss Rush platformer? Nope. Not a chance in hell. Yeah, Cuphead, they would see that as wasteful. Yeah, Cuphead is hand animated. Granted, they did use digital animation techniques, but it's hand animated. Yeah. No way they would have done that. Um, okay. Point number four, school is great, but be careful with generalist programs. And this one, to some extent, I kind of agree with, because schools are in it to make money. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, they're gonna, to some extent, try and sell you their program. But on the other hand, getting a general sort of base level of experience at something, I think is a good thing. You get the general education first, you know, get a little bit of everything, decide what you want to specialize in, and then specialize in it. But you've got that repertoire of skills to, again, you know, test, improve, fail a few times, maybe have a few minor successes, Figure out what works for you. I'm all for people being more educated and knowledgeable in lots of different areas. And even if that's specialized to a field like game design, there's still a whole bunch of different aspects within that field to be eclectic with. So I completely disagree with this point, although I see what he the point he's yeah, trying to make a, about a schools. General, you know, uh, just wanting a money. general education shouldn't be your only education. There should be some specialization there. Right. But I do think it's good to have a general education as well. That can help you. It should be the foundation on which you build. Right. And then the the fifth point he says is finally, please don't let this article crush you. Oh, don't worry. We won't. Yeah, we won't. (laughs) But also it was pretty, pretty depressing, dude. And I mean, he, he is entitled to his opinion. His experiences have led him to believe this. And I can't quite fault his logic based on his own personal experience. But my personal experience with similar ideas and concepts, I, you know, I come to a different conclusion from him or than him. 
but that's okay this isn't an area i don't think where that we have to be like this is the right way and this mm-hmm. is the wrong way you know if this makes some people think well i don't completely agree with this guy but maybe i should dial it back a little bit and not mortgage my house or take out that second loan or whatever to do a thing i don't think that's not ne- not necessarily a bad idea. You know, the credit card that but, has thirty percent uh, uh, annual percentage rate—that's that, good enough to finance this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, uh, the tune of several thousand dollars. Yeah, but yeah, I just uh, thought you know, uh, the these three articles kind of uh, came together rather nicely in a general thing, a uh, uh, general. Uh, topic uh, well almost general topic but yeah i'm just looking at the uh ask a game worker and just seeing them uh talk about working in the industry without being their own boss and it makes me really support the idea of uh, uh, game developers unionizing granted i already kind of supported that (laughs) oh yeah i i support that i did support that i still support that I think we need way more unions and way more industries than we have, particularly in the United States. But I mean, the idea that gonna... you know uh, it's uh, acceptable for uh, absolutely absurd crunch time in game development. Yeah, uh, it, yeah, that, that, that is becoming an not industry okay. norm just seems wrong. Grand, I'm looking at this from the outside, and I'm not a shareholder. <laughs> yeah, because they would just want to maximize their profits. And that's a way to do it, but no, mandatory overtime without pay and crunch times—that's all. That's all bad. Yeah, you're just burning. We've been your down talent. this road before, though. Yeah, I mean, we yeah. were down this road with Telltale. So, yeah, I, I just thought it was an interesting article. I, I saw this and saw just how long it was, and started reading it and uh, reading it and reading it and reading it. And, I was uh, disagreeing more and more and thought it was a good discussion topic because we didn't really have any major news articles to grab a hold of this week. Well, we had one, but I I think someone would have blown a gasket on it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or should I say someone's? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, to tease (laughs) it, uh, a certain lawsuit against California. Yeah. Maybe we'll talk about that next week. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. I'm sure the story will have developed some since then. But, yeah. Anyways, uh, time to move on to the... Did we have anything for Community Corner? Uh, well, or we, had... we just want to go straight to Discovery well, Q? Uh, we did have uh, Kyle sending us coded messages. Either that or a snake has gotten loose and is just uh, dancing across the keyboard. Uh, just a bunch of weird, weird, weird tweets. Which, yes, Kyle, I realize uh, they those are encrypted, and uh, you sent us the encryption key. But um, I've always tried to avoid uh, clicking links from strange people. And let's be honest, you're kind of strange. <laughs> uh, plus, I mean, you're you're taking the uh, the initiative to encrypt the tweet. So, who am I to talk about the contents on uh, a podcast like this, right? Does that kind of defeat Indeed. the purpose? Yeah, for security purposes, we have to we have to keep it a secret. Yeah, but if you wish to send us unencrypted tweets, you could do so. BGL podcast on the Twitter or email us. Uh, hopefully, unencrypted stuff <laughs> uh, that we don't have to puzzle. What the hell? Uh, BGL podcast at gmail dot com. 
Indeed. So, it's been a couple of weeks, but let's head on over to Doobly-Doo with our Discovery queue. And I'm getting something interesting right off the bat. Me too! You talked first, though, so you can go first. Yeah, uh, here, let me uh, uh, drop a link here, because uh, a scroll of Tabula? Uh It's a... Taiwu? Gesundheit. It has kanji in front of it. Uh, but it is an indie game based on Chinese mythology, uh, where you play a successor of Tawu in a mythical universe, defeating your greatest enemy under the effort of sacrifice of many generations. So a uh, management sandbox game. And it's a little hard to understand because most of this is in, I believe, Chinese based on this. Oh, uh, and I just scroll down further because uh, and it says English uh, language is not supported. That's disappointing. Well, maybe it will be at some point or a translation will be released. Yeah, some kind of yeah I see. I was at the very top of the page and I saw the early access. Uh, and, uh, be, and to be fair, just because a game has kanji in it doesn't mean that it uh, doesn't support English because uh, Let It Dies, uh, all their screenshots is uh, in uh, uh, Japanese, but it supports English. Yeah. But maybe I should have... Why is this giving me uh, uh, games that don't support English? I don't know. That, that's weird. Uh, but yeah, uh, interesting title. Hopefully they translate it. Anyway, uh, yeah, uh, you're up. Yep. So my the first game on my list, Vox Machinae. Uh, it is a mech game. Oh boy. Strap yourself into the cockpit of a robot seven times taller than a Tyrannosaurus Rex and prepare to do battle in Vox Machinae. The ultimate giant robot combat action simulator for both VR and standard screens. So, uh, yep, mechs. I like mechs. I will definitely be checking this out. I went. I just went and requested a key on Keymailer, because if I can get it there, why not? Um, but no idea if it's going to be good or not, but it looks like a slightly more cartoonish-looking version of MechWarrior. Um, but it does appear to have, like, the full cockpit simulation and everything, so maybe it is more of a, um, air quotes, realistic or more simulatory type of mech game. But, you know, the screenshots could be lying, mm-hmm. so we will just have to see. Well, my second game on my list is also a very interesting game, and hey, it's actually in English, so bonus points. Uh, Pathfinder Kingmaker. This is a CRPG, so think sort of Divinity Original Sin-esque. Uh, isometric, uh, so, you know, that pretty much just lost Jared immediately. <laughs> Actually, I've played Pathfinder, the tabletop Well, game. this is the computer version of it. Did you know they were coming out with one? I did not. Well, now you do. Uh, I mean, uh, if you played Pathfinder, this is pretty much what you would expect. Uh, yeah. Very deep RPG from the sounds of it. It looks like it's getting fairly decent reviews. There are people downvoting it, but uh, it sounds like it's uh, there's a bit of RNG that's uh, hitting some people, that, and it's also very difficult, but yep, CRPG, so that's you know, kind of expected, to be perfectly honest. Oh, holy sh... Cool! Okay, 
Sorry, I've got my next uh, game. Well, go ahead. I'm pretty um, much wrapped up. All right, I'm bringing the link, link over right now. But this call it game is called Nimbatus, the Space Drone Constructor. Uh, that's actually going to um, be my I, Sunday sampler this week. Um, I saw this game on Reddit. Uh, like someone would be like, "Hey, check out this game I just uh, like created as part of my speaking of indie developers in school mm-hmm. and stuff." It's like, "Check out this game I just put together, you know, for my uh, school." And there were thousands of people being like, "That looks amazing. I want to buy that." And so they said that they were going to develop it farther, and when it was yeah, ready, I've, I've actually they had would this release in my library it. for ages, but I, I wanted to wait till it was closer to release. Oh, I got a key for it on Keymailer. Ah! This makes me so happy. Oh, I might, I might be playing that this week. We'll see. I do have a lot of Euro Truck to get through, but and you also have some Dwarf Fortress, American Truck. And I need, yeah, I do need to play Dwarf Fortress too. I got it set up and got my first world simulated, but I haven't. Yeah, it takes a while, doesn't it? Yet. It does. But, uh, but um, you'll be able to do several games on that world. Uh, but uh, speaking of worlds, uh, I got Life is Strange too. <laughs> nice. I mean, uh, what do we have to really say about this? Uh, episodic uh, uh, game from Don't Nod. Uh, who we've enjoyed all their episodic stuff so far, so yeah, I, I'm expecting to play this at some point. Uh, it's yeah, um, it's in the same universe as the original uh, Life is Strange, uh, and this uh, sounds more like it's a road trip than anything else. At least in the first episode, uh, only the first episode is out right now, so it's hard to say exactly what's going on. Right now, they uh, they're selling the first episode and also a complete season bundle as well, so. And it's actually, it's a bit more expensive than the original Life is Strange, isn't it? It's a bit more what? Uh, more expensive. I'm looking at this. Uh, the uh, bundle is uh, right at 40 I thought Life is Strange was 30 Um, could... Life is Strange offered the first episode free, and then I think it was 35 or $40 for the other four episodes. Yeah. I... Um, it's it's gotten cheaper over time, but I think when it was brand new, it was forty bucks. Yeah, but it looks like it's going to be a very interesting story. But if, uh, I'm about the worst person for episodic games. I just wait till they're uh, fully released. Same. I don't want to play them episodically. Oh, hey, I got Life is Strange too. Also, but I also had some garbage while you were talking. Well, I got an, uh, my my next game is also a really good one. I've only skipped one so far. Total War Three Kingdoms. Set in the Three Kingdoms uh, era, this is China. Yeah, China. I was wanting to make sure. Uh, yeah, so Chinese uh, Total War game. Uh, I mean, if uh, you played one Total War game, I think you already know what to expect with this. This is just going to be... I believe this is a smaller scope than the other uh, uh, main uh, stay... Uh, Total War games. This doesn't release till next March, though, so this may be a bigger game, though. I'm not exactly certain on that. Yeah, I'm, I'm through my queue. Um, how many do you have I left have on your queue? I have seven remaining. <laughs> do you want to get do a second one? All right. Yeah, I'll go ahead and run a second but, one up. But, I had yeah, a lot I, of trash. Yeah, I think I prefer Total War whenever they're more melee and archer-focused instead of going to uh, artillery. Uh, yeah, a lot more personal combat. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it just comes down to the AI not be able to handle uh, ranged combat as well. 
looks interesting, but I'll, I'll skip it. No, skip that. Alright, here we go. Oh, no. Lucy got problems. <laughs> Nudity, sexual content, anime, visual novel. Release date, September 28th. So this probably has... Full on nudity. Some of them full frontal nudity. I mean, uh, Steam has gotten a lot more racy lately. Lucy Got Problems. That's a bad title. It's got like some some anime forest fairies and stuff in it. I mean, I gotta see this what do you expect? I, I got an interesting one coming up. Hang on, but I want to see that. Well, that's is that like just like a little bit of vagina in the screenshot? Is it? Where'd you go, vagina picture? Uh, I don't know. Well, that's a camel toe, I definitely. I don't... That's definitely camel toe. I don't think it's a vagina. Add to wish list. Well, 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 and it's got a free demo. Well, let's put it this way. Patch 1, upcoming uh, 18 plus free DLC. According to the news, so... Nice. So, there you go. Huh. Interesting. Nineteen four N I T E team, and then the number four. Uh, but Nineteen four is a military hacking simulation uh, game. You, uh, you got your next one. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I'm uh, setting up my next one as well. Yeah. Uh, it looks. I don't know. Look like looks like it was designed on the Unity. That's for sure. But, I mean, that's not a bad thing, but... Nope, not necessarily, but I can clearly tell, like, from the menus and the way that this looks. But, I mean, it looks like you're running missions for the military as a hacker. Interesting. I mean, that could be... It's supposed to be realistic hacking scenarios. I mean, there's uh, been some good hacking games, and there's been some bad ones. Yeah, it also has a demo. Wow. Yeah, demos are com coming back, it seems. Oh, so I got Breath Edge. This is a open world survival, but you're in space and you're trying to uh, go through wreckages. I can't tell if wreckages are ships or uh, it's the same ship and you're just going through different parts of it. But uh, it's an interesting uh, idea. There's been a few of these popping up recently. Uh, just uh, space uh, uh, sim uh, survival games. And I have to say, it actually looks pretty good graphically. It, it uh, captures kind of the beauty of space. Yeah. What is this? So, yeah, it's a, uh, space survival. It's in early access, though. Um, see they're saying uh they're expecting at least a year and a half in early access oh god uh, that's an absolutely trash driving game oh and i got my last one uh, on my last uh, entry uh do you have one um no all right Not well yet. i got parkasaurus which i think i've had that one before yeah, I think uh, I think you may have uh, put this in your queue before, but I'm putting it in mine because why the hell not? At this Go point. for it. Uh, dinosaur theme park uh, tycoon game. Uh, very, very, very colorful. Almost a, 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 yeah, eye-raping level. 
uh, but yeah, uh, if it's better than Jurassic World Evolution, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, nothing wrong against having a sandbox uh, dinosaur park, but you know, uh, don't advertise it as a business sim, right? Yeah. Plus, you could have hats. Granted, I don't think the hats right. come out of loot boxes, so you know that uh, really diminishes the profitability of the game. But still. So my last game, I think, is worth mentioning. Infinity Racer. Do you remember the game Chase the Sun? Did you like that game? Well, here's more of that. That's, I mean, that's, this is literally what that is, is Chase, Chase the Sun. Except with a different looking ship and a slightly different aesthetic. And it's also an asset flip of a Unity uh, game. Oh, I've not seen that then. What's uh, well, what, an asset flip? Uh, it's an asset flip of X Racer. Uh, I'm uh, I follow a couple of curators that follow uh, uh, just uh, uh, asset flips and uh, warn people about them. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this is an asset flip of a Unity store asset for seventy bucks. Oh, yep. Here it is. Steam curator. Sentinels of the Store asset flip of X Racer. Yeah, if you click cool. on it, I'm gonna follow this curator. Yeah, if you click on it, uh, it shows you exactly that game. I mean, there's one thing about using, uh, you know, pre-made assets in a game. Uh, granted, you have to do it carefully, otherwise it makes your game uh, utterly bland-looking, and uh, you know, you, your screenshots of it fall into just, you know, it could be any game, like PUBG. Uh, but yeah, you know, taking a template, a uh, game template, wholesale and selling it, no. Yeah. Well, cool. I just uh, followed that curator. That would be a good one to to follow. But yeah, that's my second discovery cube. So it looks like it took me what two to come up with your one. <laughs> but that's the way hey, it goes. Have to be, I've been I had some way good more games total. You did. I had a couple of good ones, but a couple of bad ones. But yeah, that is that, which means it's time to move on to the portion of the podcast where I go first and tell you where to find my stuff if you're new here. If uh, if you want to find me on the YouTubes, you can do so by searching for Gaming Psychologist. You can find our Spin Tires videos, uh, the podcast episodes... And occasionally something else, but I typically only do things that I have time for and that I enjoy. And usually that's just whatever I'm doing with my co-hosts and the podcast itself. Make it sound so dirty. If you want to follow me, <laughs> if you want to follow me on Twitter, where you can see all the things that I do tweet, you can do so by following me at JMA4707. Had a couple of recent tweets about Euro Truck and being bored at work. It was a slow day today. So I played Euro Truck at work for a while. And with my fidget spinner that I have there with some like big rubber bands on it, those wristbands, makes it heavier, but one of them's like rainbow colored and it gives it like this really cool, almost like psych- psychedelic effect. It's neat. Um, and then I don't really do much over on Twitch anymore, but if you do want to see uh, the people from the community who stream all in one place or maybe have an easy way to find their channels because I follow and rehost all of them. You can do so by going to twitch.tv slash jarthur4707. 
Uh, and then lastly, if you want to be my friend on Steam, you can do so by sending a friend request to JR34707. I accept all of those friend requests from the lovely people. It's been a little bit since I've gotten any new friend requests from people. Uh, don't be shy. I don't bite. Hard. Much. Or unless you're having sex with me, but that's another another thing for another time. Poor Katie. And if you were to let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is Iguana. Nice. Iguana. Just one of my random words since there wasn't anything that really grabbed me this week uh, to use. So, uh, for me, uh, things are kind of uh, uh, stable for two of the series. Uh, RimWorld's still ongoing. Uh, I actually want to get another recording session in for uh, Spin Tires, try to get a little bit more uh, in the backlog. Because we only are one week behind where we're actually recording now, or thereabouts. I am uh, releasing my episodes of Mud Runner a little bit late right now. Um, I actually need to go post my latest one because uh, my render kind of screwed up overnight. And I had a completely blank episode. And, uh, well, it had the audio, but it didn't have any visual. So I was noticing, huh, that's uploading a little fast. Then I noticed the file size and thought, something's wrong. So I had to re-render it today. <laughs> Which ended up taking up a lot more time. But I'll release that once we're done here. I haven't gotten around to doing the other series, though, that I'm planning on. I'll get to that. And I haven't streamed uh, much on Twitch this past week because I've been uh, touring around with a project over there. And also uh, replacing my placeholder assets with more placeholder assets. Because uh, life, uh, uh, like George Carlin said, life is a series of dogs. Well, a YouTube channel or Twitch channel is just a series of placeholder assets, one replacing the other. Right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think. Uh, uh, but yeah, I am planning on... Uh, I'm going to try to do some, at least some of my Dwarf Fortress stuff on Twitch so people go to see what the hell and uh, see someone that... Okay, I can't say competent. Um, knows just enough to be dangerous. How about that? Well, well, to be fair, dangerous in that game is a very low bar. Uh, But yeah, I'll do some of Dwarf Fortress. I've been uh, getting it set up so I could actually uh, broadcast that, which I've gotten it where it's capturing Dwarf Fortress properly. I can't get it to get uh, Dwarf Therapist, though, which is a little weird. It just won't latch onto uh, that window at all. I don't know why. That's actually what's held me up from uh, broadcasting the last couple days was... I was trying to figure out that mystery of why Dwarf Therapist, which, for those who don't know, uh, Dwarf Fortress's uh, UI is a little complex. And an easy way to handle it is to use a secondary program uh, to uh, manage the uh, different tasks for dwarves. Uh, Much like, uh, pretty much, it's become the standard in the base management, uh, where it's a hierarchy of... uh, it goes through different uh, uh, phases where it will look through and say, okay, all these uh, t- uh, assignments are on priority one. And it goes from left to right. And the one that's furthest to the left is done first. Then the, the f- next one, uh, next one, next one. Well, Dwarf Therapist is essentially a memory editor that triggers those in Dwarf Fortress itself. Along with uh, some other uh, things inside the game. 
it just makes things a lot more easy uh, to manage. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I just can't show that for some reason. I can't figure out why OBS isn't showing that. It's It's been irritating me, and I've been working on another project on top of that, which kept me from streaming. So, you know, my, like, I think 11 followers have been probably wondering, where have I been? <laughs> or you could also tweet. We miss you. Or you could see me tweet about, uh, well, uh, my last one was uh, the uh, presidential uh, uh a nationwide uh, message testing the emergency broadcast system <laughs> uh, because I was questioning whether or not the president was actually alert. <laughs> and uh, are we on the same wavelength that you thought the same thing? Yeah, we are. Because I was sitting, you know, in a session and my phone and my client's phone both went screeched. Off. Yep. See, I didn't. Presidential alert. Yeah, I didn't. I just started laughing. Yeah, I didn't know about it until uh, it went off because I was uh, in the kitchen making a sandwich for lunch and suddenly my phone just starts going crazy and I thought, oh no, did it break? <laughs> because that, that yep. was a horrid noise. Yeah. Shut up! Oh my god. <laughs> and I love the only option was okay. <laughs> uh, no, this is not Okay. I'm just waiting for him to start uh, using that uh, power to talk about uh, Crooked Hillary now. I wouldn't be surprised if he did. Not not one bit. But yeah, I busted out laughing in the middle of session at that. And my client was like, why are you laughing? And then I made the exact same joke. I don't think he's very uh, presidential or alert. Well, well, I, ju- kind of a- well I just went with... Honestly, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, yeah, basically the same uh, idea. We spent way too much time around one another. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's also pretty clear. So, Indeed. so let's end our time together for the evening uh, by once again saying, uh, if you wish to reach us and tell us just how much time we've spent, uh, and if it is too much together, vglpodcast uh, at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, gaming related topics, or just tweet them to us, VGL Podcast, hopefully unencrypted. If you still help to pay for our uh, podcast, you can do so patreon.com slash VGL Podcast. Granted, we don't need uh, Toady One money, even though we wouldn't turn it down, right? No, we would not turn that money down. Uh, but it is greatly useful for our Podbean and the occasional ad campaign. Which Podbean is vglpodcast.podbean.com, which hosts the RSS feed, the show notes, or you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, uh, Spotify, and uh, most uh, of the podcasting apps of choice. Our intro and outro music is On the Ground by Kevin McLeod, and our Discovery Cube music is Doobly Doo, also by Kevin McLeod. His work can be found at incomputech.com, and he is not listed in the sentinels of the storm because he is an original artist (laughs) and as always as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice bye-bye now see ya
would you expect uh, the next presidential alert to be? I don't even. I don't. Um, I don't know. <laughs> there are so many things that flooded into my brain at some time, and so, and so many things that time. are wrong. Did you see the whole Mississippi rally? Uh, no, I've seen bits and pieces of that. Uh, the fact that he's having rallies still is there, there's something wrong here. And I'm pretty oh, sure. Oh wait, is him. that the most recent one where he like? I don't know. Called down I don't some know. news reporter and made fun of her. Oh, no, and... no, no, no. This was the. Uh, uh, and now I'm blanking. Uh, uh, Doctor Ford. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, and uh, and the crowd laughing the entire time. Yep. There was a, a rally in Tennessee too. Uh, Johnson Johnson City, mm-hmm. I think. There was um he posted a, a tweet that was like thank you Tennessee or something like that and it was like a 2 minute video of the line like to get into the building and uh I responded to that tweet I didn't see like, that this makes me I was like this makes me sad to be a Tennessean can't wait to vote blue oh, oh, when oh, early he, voting he, starts he, in a couple he's weeks He's tweeting about thoughts and prayers right now Oh no what do we need thoughts and prayers for this time? Uh, looks like there was another mass shooting. Oh, Jesus. Well, what a lovely way to end the banter, the post-show banter on. Well, I could always trigger you with debt neutrality. Nah, I'm good. Oh. <laughs> uh, I, I just, Save that for another I just day. went over there and I saw thoughts and prayers. Uh, do you think he has that on uh, copy and paste now? Or, or mm. whatever 80s uh, screaming at to... Uh, get his uh, tweets in somewhat legible fashion after the whole cafe thing. Cafe? <laughs> or whatever? Yeah, I don't know. I feel sorry. He probably doesn't know how copy and paste works. Yeah, that's why I said an intern. Yeah, the most recent stuff I've seen about New York City gonna is going to sue him and get all that yeah, just, money yeah, back and this that. whole report, like... I need to catch up on that because I saw that and I was like, whoa. Yeah, I saw that what? when I went over to Reddit Bed Show and I thought, yeah. oh my God. Nope, this is it. This is it. And then we're going to end. Rogue NASA tweeted earlier, a little bit earlier. I just saw it. Presidential alert. Nobody panic. The Space Force has got this. <laughs> That's it. We're out. Good night, everybody. Woo, Space Force. <laughs>